The Watership Down podcast is intended for listeners who are familiar with the plot. There may be spoilers. This episode is scripted by John Ruths, Newell Fisher and Leah McKayla and is narrated and edited by Newell Fisher. It includes adapted text by John. Hello and welcome to the Watership Down podcast episode 101 in which we'll be looking at the sixth story from part one of Tales from Watership Down, chapter six, The Rabbit's Ghost Story. First though, I received a voice message from frequent contributor Leah Michaela from Finland last week after I published episode 100. I was very sorry not to have been able to include her message in episode 100, but this has got me thinking. Having acknowledged many times the relatively minimal role female characters played in the original novel, in episode 55, I sought to retell the story of Watch It Down purely from the perspective of the does in the novel. But, having re-listened to that episode recently, I, re- I realised that even in that focus episode in which I deliberately minimised the males in the story by not naming them and referring to them only as bucks, I still failed to refer to more than one doe as just rabbits. In the original novel, all male groups are referred to as just rabbits, not bucks. I should have accorded groups of does the same courtesy in episode 55, as they were supposed to be the default in that retelling of the story. In the alight of the above, and sound clips from the 1978 film do not count, you are about to hear the first woman's voice ever to appear on this podcast. Like Clover in chapter 25 of Warship Down, about halfway through the novel, this is far too late, so I really regret not having been able to include her message last week. Take it away, Leah. And may there be many other women's voices on this podcast in its future. Hello world, I'm Leah Mackilla. You have heard some of my notes in some of the earlier episodes. I want to congratulate Watership Down Podcast for reaching the 100 episodes milestone. I have enjoyed all the episodes by far and I'm really looking forward for the next 100 episodes. Part 1. Chapter 6. The Rabbit's Ghost Story. Both me and John seem to agree on this chapter from Tales from Watership Down. Simply put, it is an example of some of his best writing on Watership Down outside the original novel. In fact, it is fair to say, if Richard Adams had followed that novel with a sequel novel, this entire chapter would have thoroughly earned a place as a chapter in that novel. The opening quotation is by Montague Rhodes James, more usually known as M.R. James, who was an English author who lived from 1862 to 1936. A bit like Tolkien, he was both an author and educator, but was best known for his ghost stories. Richard Adams often uses quotes from the end or nearly the end of a written work, and especially with poems. The quote here is from a short story and is much closer to the beginning of the story, about one third of the way through as the story builds. The quote identifies the Wailing Well as a thing to stay away from, which is appropriate foreshadowing for the coming story. In my copy, of the twelve and a half pages of the story, the first four and a half are spent on Watership Down leading into the story. I think this is more than any other, and contrasts completely with the last tale, The Hole in the Sky, in which there was none. There is so much lead into the story that it becomes a story in itself. We are on the down a bit after the Battle of Watership Down, Adams refers to the ravaged honeycomb in which four Ephraphans surrendered to Fiverr, having escaped from the dog the rabbits of Warship Down had led on to the Ephraphans in order to defeat them. It is mentioned that three of the four Ephraphans settled in well. Two of them are named. 
Groundsell is an even better patroller than Blackavar, though he retains a loyalty to the presumably dead General Woundwalt. We know that skills honed in Ephraim and wide patrols were one of the things that made that Warren a standout, and a dangerous one for other rabbits. Two of the positive features of the Warren on Warship Down are tolerance and recognition of talent, and for these reasons Groundsell has settled in well. Thistle is also mentioned as a rabbit who, having been freed from Ephraim and discipline, has become very likeable. The third rabbit who settled in well is not mentioned. Coltsford, who is only an Ephraim by way of the invasion of the Warren at Nutley Copse, is the exception. Interestingly, Coltsfoot is named after a plant that has healing properties. Well, it seems that this is a rabbit in need of some healing, as he does not seem to be fitting in. Bigwig's reference to him as that pestilential fellow with a face as long as a rook's beak seems fitting. Bigwig, having shed some of his overbearing nature after his experiences at the Warren of the Snares and Ephrafa, is a likeable rabbit, and his opinion matters. Hazel counsels leaving Coltsfoot alone, and Bluebell, the Joker, is advised to avoid making jokes at his expense. We will return to Coltsfoot shortly. Meanwhile, as a bit of comic relief, Kihar visits and brings a friend named Lekri, who is even harder to understand than Kihar. It is mentioned that Kihar is brought up to date on the events that followed his leaving them on the River Test during the summer just past. This update is referred to as happening during November, and this is presumably his first visit to Warship Down after the events of the novel. In Chapter 50 of Warship Down, set during the following October, the beech leaves are mentioned as still being on the trees. Here they are flying around everywhere in the wind. The lead into Chapter 1 is referred to as happening during the following spring, and Kihar is present then in a way that suggests this has become normal. This suggests that this chapter is set before Chapter 1 so its placement as, cha as chapter 6 suggests a thematic arrangement of chapters rather than chronological. Having learned of Kihar and his view of the Nuthanger Farm cat being, quote, versed mean than plenty cormorants, end quote, we return to the lead into the story we're about to hear. Blackavar training younger rabbits in patrolling is very interesting. He has taken one of the things that both Woundwater and Ephrafa were truly good at and brought it to his new home. It is nice to see that Blackavar did not remain the essentially beaten-down rabbit of Ephrafa, but is contributing towards Ship Down. He has taken Scabius and Threa, son of Fiver and Vilthruel, on a training ra raid to a house a mile away. Hazel is described as having been nervous about this, but left the decision to Bigwig as captain of Alsva. The basis of the decision is described, described using a French phrase that Adams annoyingly does not translate, spoken by Edward III at the Battle of Cressy. It means, let the child earn his spurs. Threar is the young rabbit who sensed an approaching horseman in Chapter 50 of Watership Down. He seems to have inherited some of Fiverr's abilities, so is ideal as a patroller and raider. The other of Blackavar's students is called Scabius. He is briefly referred to at the end of Watership Down by Bigwig as he trains young rabbits. But interestingly, this is also the name of one of the rabbits Holly saw killed at Sandalford Warren. Morsh foreshadowing, possibly? Scabius believes he saw the ghost of Woundwort on the training patrol. His idea of what Woundwort looked like could only be based on what he'd been told about him, though, as he would never have seen him, having been a newborn kitten at most during the battle. An impatient Blackavar says it was a hare. Scabius, who is scared Tharn by the sight, suggests it might, may have been the, a ghost hare. Bluebell jokes about a ghost flea that he knows was a ghost as he couldn't find it. Hazel tries to comfort Scabius by saying he has never met a rabbit who has seen a ghost. This is when the sullen Coltsfoot speaks up. 
saying that he has. And having started, he finds it easy to continue. His need to tell the story, having started, is compared to the ancient mariner. We not only learn that Coltsfoot from, was from Nutley Copse, the only Warren in the original novel for which we have no location, but that he was an Owsler member there. While the Warren was being invaded, he was out feeding. By the time he got back, the battle was over and lost. He was taken prisoner and placed in the neckmark at Ephrafa. The events referenced in the chapter's title happened before the invasion at some holes some distance away. It was before Colesfoot time in the Owsler, when he was the same kind of outskirt of many watership down rabbits were when they lived at Sandalford. Colesfoot mentions that there was a place near Nutley Copse where rabbits had once lived, where something terrible had once happened. It was said that squealing had been heard coming from that place at dawn and dusk, and the rabbits of Nutley Copse avoided it. Colesfoot and some fellow outskirters decided to depart from Nutley Copse due to the thin time they were having. Their expedition goes very badly as one imagines it does for real yearling outskirters in the wild who flee an overcrowded warren. They run into a cat but get away. They then run into a dog stoat, which means a male stoat, who kills one of the party, a doe called Mayan. After deciding to return to Nutley Copse, then wandering in circles and not finding their way, they find themselves in a dell where there are rabbit holes and see a rabbit. At first this rabbit looks normal, but then, just as they are about to speak to a rabbit, they realise where they are, and that, in spite of the rabbit being upwind, it has no smell. For a rabbit, this must be genuinely terrifying, and it is very effectively described. Then they see a fly, fly into its eye and right through it. The rabbit also seems unaware of the party. One of Coltsfoot's companions seemed to know that the stranger rabbit is not among them as a living creature. Then they notice that the rabbit holes have not been used for a long time. The place they're in has no sound, despite there being a breeze. Coltsfoot describes the feeling of dread as he says it felt as if the place they're in was nowhere. Then they see a boy. This boy seems like someone from a very long time ago. He might have been an earlier form of humour or possibly a pre-civilisation hunter-gatherer with torn clothing and warts on one cheek. He is clearly different enough from the people rabbits would see for the difference to be noticeable. He wields a catapult, and he uses this to strike the stranger rabbit. By this time, we the reader realise fully that both the rabbit and boy are ghosts. He celebrates the striking of the rabbit, which breaks one of its legs, seeming to enjoy its suffering. And when the injured rabbit screams, it is as if the whole place screams. And here is a chilling thought. If this boy and the act they saw him carry out really were that ancient, then the unrewed rabbit holes would not still be there. So are they seeing not only the ghosts of a rabbit and its killer, but also the later ghost of an abandoned warren? Was the scream of the rabbit the scream of the place dying? Colesfoot says that they sensed rather than saw many rabbits bolting for those cold, unused holes. And now what the rabbit saw gets even more confusing, as Colesfoot smells a white stick or cigarette burning. Two men are now present. They call out to the ghost boy, and you'd have to suspect they are here because they've heard some sort of legend. Or is it that they heard the rabbit squealing? Coltsford has no idea. And so, as a result, neither do we as readers. 
The men seemed to actually be there, unlike the boy and the rabbit, as they brushed the undergrowth and seemed to be physically present. But then again, so do the disused rabbit holes. Rabbit holes that cannot still be there if they are from a time as ancient as the boy. It is as if they are watching events from two points in the past, and the interaction between those two times and that of the watching terrified rabbits is shifting and uncertain. The rabbit and the boy, Coltsfoot seems to understand, are like recordings of events in the past. He compares this to a hrududu he once saw rolling down a hill with no driver. But the men are somehow different. Trying to explain this makes Coltsfoot very distressed, and Fiverr goes over to him and gives him quiet words of comfort. He continues... The men are there with another more present purpose. They bring a dead but still warm rabbit infected with myxomatosis. They push the rabbit's body down into one of the nearby rabbit holes with a pole, thereby dooming any living rabbits in that warren to death, as the infected fleas will leave the body as soon as it is cold to find a new host. By doing so, they demonstrate that for them, these holes are very much in use by rabbits. Colesfoot says neither of them were the farmer. Are they putting this dead rabbit down holes that for them are in use or not? Again, where things are in time is very confused. The party, now with only three rabbits, make it back to Nutley Copse. One of them, one of them called Fescue, had been turned mad by what he'd seen and just lay Tharn in a burrow. Coltsfoot did not see him after that. The other buck, Stitchwort, shared a burrow with Coltsfoot until the attack of the Ephraphans when he was killed. In all that time, they never spoke of what they had seen. As a closing horrific thought, Coltsfoot asks if that ghostly rabbit he saw in that haunted place has to go through its death and experience the pain time after time. And is this the same for all rabbits? We are now transformed into the present. Coltsfoot acknowledges how he is perceived. However, the rabbits of Warship Down now know that he is merely haunted by the memory of that ghost rabbit. Coltsfoot is crying, and the story has affected many of the others who are transfixed and also horrified. Pipkin is also crying, and Hazel can feel Blackberry trembling next to him. Unsurprisingly, it is Fiverr who speaks up and makes sense of things. After all, this is Fiverr, who probably knows more about the other country he referenced in Wardship Down than anyone else present. Fiverr seems to understand that where there was a painful death with much suffering, sometimes a trace remnant survives. He says that these remnants are like pools of water after a storm that from time to time we fall into. He also points out that the men with the infected rabbit, who he clearly thought were real, might have chosen Nutley Copse instead. Coldsfoot goes on to better integrate himself with the Warren, spending a lot of time with Fiverr, to the extent that the following spring Bluebell asks if he can have a mild ghost story as they seem to do good in the long run. To which Fiverr responds, only for those who can run without stopping. Is it canon? In my opinion, this is one of the best chapters in Tales, demonstrating Adam's talent for such stories. It also fills out the post-Battle of Wardship Down timeline nicely. Had Adams written a full sequel in novel form, this chapter would have earned its place in such a novel unchanged and could have provided a good basis for plot development. But sadly he didn't. John Ruth's comments, quote, By the time we get to the experience that Colesfoot will tell us about, we again see that Richard Adams could maybe have been a horror writer. 
His writing about Coltsfoot experiences similar to Tolkien's when four hobbits are in the old forest and encounter undead whites, in that it is refreshingly chilling to read. End quote. Leah Michaela adds, quote, Ghost Story was the chapter following Hole in the Sky, continuing the eerie themes. Colesfoot's story is framed with the discussion, are ghosts real or not, and he claims to have seen them for real. From the viewpoint of folklore genre, this is, seems to be written as first-hand experience with supernatural, that in theory are called memorites. Memorites might turn into legends when told often, or when told as a second-hand experience, and in this case it suggested Dandelion is curious about the story to get inspiration for future stories, so there's a good chance it will be told on also by those for whom it wasn't a personal experience. After the framing story in Watership, there's another framing story to tell more of Coltsfoot's life before and after he came to witness the supernatural. This is also a typical trait in folklore. Those who are telling of experiences super, with supernatural, or even urban legends that have less or more unbelievable details, to frame the story by telling that it happened to a reliable person who would not just make it all up. I think the stories in this first part of Tales from Warship Down are some sort of writing exercises to write a story in the style of, and or including themes, as they seem to be embracing some genre of folklore as well. Though there's also some other themes included, like the environmentalist themes in Sense of Smell that I didn't analyse much, but are, are there. So I've been reading Ghost Story from the point of view of tellings and retellings of folklore, but there surely would be some other viewpoints as well. There's multiple literary references in the first framing story that takes place in Watership Down, like The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. The second framing story that tells Colesford history from Nutley Cops to Ephrafa and then Watership Down suggests Colesford is traumatised by all his experiences, so it might be interesting to interpret the story also from the viewpoint of PTSD. That the haunting made Colfoot li think living things are somehow forced to repeat their moment of death to all eternity reminds me of something I read about uh, voodoo zombies, how stories about them were a warning how slave owners weren't only able to steal life of the slaves, but could steal them also the peace of death by forcing corpses to continue work. I notice there's literary references in the second framing story as well to Watership Down, as young Coltsfoot's decision to leave Nutley Cops in search of a better life with his friends can be seen as a parallel story to young rabbits leaving Sandalford. Only in this story, everything goes wrong straight from the beginning. I wonder also if Mayan's death is referenced to Violet's deaths in the 1978 film. Turns out the encounter with ghosts also saves Nutley Cops Warren from planted myxomatosis. I think that theme of disease was partly used in the 1999 series, where Afrofans are kept away from Redstone Warren by telling them there's a horrible disease raging there. There was more references to Tales from Warship Down in that series too. End quote. This theme of versions of Warship Down influencing subsequent versions beyond the obvious influence of the 1978 film is one we will return to. However, and to sum up, I'm going to call this tale canon overall as it provides not only one of the most chilling tales of the Watership Down universe, but also provides convincing continuity for the period following the defeat of Woundward on Watership Down. Next time... We enjoy the storytelling skills of Speedwell.